Good news, everyone. God's not dead. He just needs a better agent. Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey guys, I'm Stuart Wellington. Hey buds, I'm Elliot Kalin. Hey, it's actually legitimately been a while. You know, it has. I you guys are. It's been a while, and those words time. are meaningless most of the time. But we banked a few um, because you and I, Elliot, that's, bu- that's business lingo, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's business lingo. <laughs> They're for in the can. <laughs> that's the toilet butt lingo. <laughs> Uh, but, um, there was, uh, there were vacations, you there had a You guys child. have been vacationing yeah. like crazy lately. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. It's been a lot of travel unrelated to the movie that we watched tonight <laughs> and not worth getting into. <laughs> okay. Um. But the suffice to say, it's been a long time since the three of us were in a room together mm-hmm. talking movie Trapped stuff. Here. <laughs> Trapped here. Trapped here. Trapped here. Hot room because the air conditioner is off, unlike previous episodes where the sound was shitty. <laughs> and as many Flop House fans are unaware, uh, we actually have been cursed so that once every two weeks we are trapped in a room by the Baba Yaga, or as Dan knows it, the Streganona, <laughs> until we talk for roughly an hour about a bad movie, mm-hmm. in which case the locks undo themselves, the door creaks open, and a voice says, <laughs> Until next Wipe time, Wipe out. <laughs> Wipe out. Do 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 do. Park. Um. So here's the thing. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay, that's yeah. the biggest introduction in the history of anything. It's a great transition. <laughs> next Not month. even a transition. <laughs> next month is uh, the holiest month of the Flophouse calendar, Shocktober. Yep. And what better way to celebrate Shocktober than to ease into it with a little something we're calling. Small Vember, where we look at movies that are slightly smaller than uh, we normally would look yeah, at yeah, yeah. here in the flop house. Yeah, Small Vember. Not, not to say much like Shocktober, you know, it we watch more Dear. movies at other times during the year, and we watch smaller movies sometimes at other times during the year, yeah. but now we're branding it. <laughs> Elliot, do you remember the first time you heard about Small Vember? Yes, it was when I said we can call it Small Vember. <laughs> in an email chain that started two or three days ago. Yep. So, Small Vember is a storied and long, long-lived historical thing that we just made up now. What other months will we have to look forward to, Dan? Oh, there will be... Perhaps Pornuary. <laughs> the January when we just, hey, why not? Let's just watch hardcore porn. I don't know if it's a bunch of Brazzers videos strung together, or if it's sure, a like a compilation tape? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Fredulary. The movie, the month where we only watch movies starring an actor named Fred. Yep, yep. Fred McMurray or uh, Fred. Fred, Fred Willard. Does he start Rogers movies? from Mister Rogers' Neighborhood? He probably made a movie, right? I don't think so. Like early in his career, like a Hercules in New York style <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah. The exploitation adventure film that Fred Rogers made, and and who can forget uh, uh, Drop Dead Fred. <laughs> 
But for the kickoff uh, Small Vember uh, movie, inaugural, we watched, yeah, first ever Small Vember screening. We watched the Christ history <laughs> in the making. This is the Rosa Parks of small budget movies. Extra, extra, Small Vember movie names. We watched the Christ exploitation film uh, God's Not Dead. Yeah. Oh boy. God's Not Dead. You say. Starring and this movie BP Hunk, many times. BP, BP TV Hunks, Kevin Sorbo, <laughs> and Dean Kane. <laughs> Hunk of TV Beef. Yep. Kevin Smorlow. Ripley's Believe Kevin It or Not, Merlot. you better believe it. This is the Superman Hercules crossover. Yeah, uh, clamoring for. In that they share no the scenes. Superman together. Hercules slash fiction. Because that's right, Dean Crane is here too. <laughs> Dean Crane. <laughs> Yeah, old crawl and Dean Crane. And I hope you like the Christian pop band Newsboys. <laughs> because you're going to hear they make an inexplicable appearance shit at the ton end. Of them. Because everybody likes them, including uh, one of these Duck Dynasty fellows. Oh, mm. I hope you like Duck Dynasty because there's some of that in this movie too. Yeah. It's like someone. It's, it's like, like someone Dynasty, but with ducks. Just, just like did a random internet search for Christian interests and decided yeah. to put all those things into a movie. Mm hmm. <laughs> the Christian the interest one... being Newsboys, Duck Dynasty, and Kevin Sorbo? <laughs> the one thing it's missing is if the characters stop at Chick-fil-A for lunch <laughs> yeah. at some point. They're like, mm, this, is a del- this is a divine sandwich. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this sandwich certainly is denying gay people their rights. Uh, wait. Politics. Oh, okay. Luckily, the marriage between taste buds and chicken is illegal. <laughs> yeah. In this, in this it, state. It's Adam and Delicious, not Adam and Steve. <laughs> Wait, hold on. So, like, Adam was with, a, like, a, deli- a golden delicious apple? No, no, no. Her name was Eve Delicious. Oh. She was a stripper. Because <laughs> Delicious sounds like yeah. a... How could she be a stripper if they had no clothes because they had no like knowledge of their name. It was kind of a burlesque routine. She actually put her clothes back on, which oh, made it boy. sexy. Even at the beginning of time, burlesque was a waste of time. Yep. <laughs> Let me guess. She no, had history's first ukulele, too. <laughs> but the oh, the, the serpents thought it was so hip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they really loved the throwback nostalgia to an era that hadn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> What so? What do we do here again? We watch a movie so and talk about it. Called, oh yeah, that's a, that's what the podcast God's is. God's not dead. Yeah, bullet rated to R. the God's not head. <laughs> not rated R. Rated R for <laughs> religious. <laughs> bullet to the Godhead. It's the sequel to Bullet to the Head. Mm-hmm. Sylvester Stallone's uh, mercenary character Bobo has a bigger <laughs> has a bigger target on his hands this time. The Divine Godhead itself. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the big uh, mob boss calls him in and he's like, I got a problem. The problem is God's not dead. <laughs> yeah, God's going to testify against me <laughs> in the big court case that's coming up. It's I need you to take care of that. A Walter Hill, Steve Eilert collaboration. Mm-hmm. Anybody? Steve Eilert? Uh, uh, maker of the eyelets on your shoes? No, no, no. Slaughtermatic. Anyway, forget okay. it. The, uh, so Kevin Sorbo stars so in this Kevin movie Sorbo as does not star Dr. Radisson. <laughs> so, so the movie the starts... of the Radisson uh, Hotel chain. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, before we get to Dr. Radisson, the hotel Radical. Man, <laughs> the man who was bitten by a radioactive hotel <laughs> and given all the powers of an atheistic philosophy professor... Uh, let's start at the beginning, shall we? Mm-hmm. As the Big Bang. Colin, <laughs> you see, billions of years ago, something happened. Mm-hmm. And Four that's nerds the hung out. Controversy <laughs> that God's not dead is hinged upon. It's all in the book. Something happened by Joseph Heller. Mm-hmm. 
Do you want to read 400 pages of basically the same four pages over and over again? Read Something Happened by Joseph want, Heller. Do you want to hope Take that, that Joseph Heller's least known book. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's the least known book. Maybe Good as Gold. Yeah. Do you want to hope that the lightning that struck with Catch-22 strikes again? Read Something Happened. Don't read Picture This. It's a much better book. All right. Anyway, so God is dead, or is we he? We can talk about Joseph Heller books some more. Or yeah, sure. There's also the God Knows, the story of King David told from his point of view. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I only read the one, so I can't really get too deep in this. Okay, well, um, I'll just file it with Steve Island in authors I've read a bunch <laughs> of that you guys are not that familiar with. Yeah. And we'll continue with the movie. So, young college student Josh Wheaton... A Joss Whedon, the, <laughs> no, the movie and not, man? And not Noted Will atheist Wheaton. Joss Whedon? <laughs> not TV's Will Wheaton, Wesley Crusher. Okay. His name's just Josh, which is a different Josh name Josh. Josh Joe Sweet. The Wheaton fortune? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Jody Sweeten? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Full House star Jody Sweeten stars as Josh God's Wheaton. not dead. <laughs> Saying that makes you how rude. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you god it dude is what michelle was saying she's like we're gonna have a pants off dance off until we're as innocent as adam and eve in the garden of eden yeah exactly anyway josh wheaton a college student he said this, for the fourth this fucking time this philosophy professor is about as welcome as kimmy gibbler <laughs> he goes up to that college professor and he says hey atheism cut it out yep uh, I'll just go play with the Beach Boys. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> the mascots of Full House. They're like, you have summoned us. <laughs> you have struck the elder runes. You know, you, you've got <laughs> arrived. And so we will play Kokomo. <laughs> it really shows like the different like <laughs> the different worlds that uh, those sitcoms were living in. <laughs> that like. Uh, Full House had uh, the Beach Boys, the, the non-Brian Wilson Beach Boys, while uh, you know Cosby was drawing upon an endless well of classic uh, jazz and funk musicians. Yeah, in the least natural way possible. Yeah. Hey, you know there was a plot in this episode? Well, let's stop it so we can go hang out at Lena Horne's restaurant for a little bit. <laughs> anyway, Josh Wheaton, a college sure. student who's also a Christian, enrolls in a philosophy class that he needs for his pre-law major. Even though, as is puzzlingly said later in the movie, his nemesis, the professor, points out there is no pre-law professor major. Radisson. Professor Radisson. Professor <laughs> Radisson points out there is no pre-law major at the college. A threat, kind of, which is never carried, never explained. Anyway, he takes It's philosophy. also weird. It feels like he just kind of wrote in in the other box or something. I mean, he's a freshman. He doesn't have to declare a major right yeah, away. Yeah. I certainly didn't when I was a freshman in college. Uh, for a while, your major was dance. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then for a while, it was my major Charles was pain. Dance. Uh, and then for a little bit, uh, the major was a minor. <laughs> anyway, can I say no, no, the first thing that not, happens in the movie? You're not allowed to explain the plot There's a Christian college movie. student who enrolls in a philosophy course. He's warned against taking this particular philosophy course, but in a very cryptic way. And it yeah. turns out it's hosted by, hosted by, it, it's hosted by Hello, everybody. your friend and mine, Professor Radisson. <laughs> My guest tonight, not God, because I don't believe it. It's him. hosted by Chuck Woolery. So, <laughs> Professor Jeffrey Radisson, played by Kevin Sorbo, uh, who's not looking. Sorbo? <laughs> TV's Kevin Sorbo. That's two different weapons mashed together. <laughs> Kevin Sorbonne. Uh, so Kevin Sorbonne, which would be, I guess, his porn <laughs> mad magazine name. <laughs> Like if Penthouse Comics 
did a did a Hercules parody with yeah, yeah, starring, yeah. starring Kevin Sorbonne. Pencils by Milo Manara. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For Mad Magazine? <laughs> yeah. No, Hustler Comics. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's just a lot of panels of Kevin Sorbonne with his butt up in the air for some reason. <laughs> and he's got a, uh, I have to point out, he's got a goatee, which is the most devilish form of facial hair one can have. Yes, it, it did look like he was the evil twin and that the good version would show up later. Sans yeah. He's trapped goatee. in some sort of mirror universe. And boy, was it, wait, what? It was a bit? Come on. Anyway, and boy, is he evil. You because just went right through that whole bit. Like, yeah, because we, don't have, because we have wasted a lot of time. Uh, oh, that Ke- a huge influx of new oh, listeners God. that are going to see what movie we chose and are going to be like, oh, great, another podcast talking about my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Kevin Sorbo starts his first class by saying, hey, let's cut to the chase and just admit there's no God. There never was one. Uh, just to get the thing started, and this is a third of your grade, I want everyone <laughs> to, try, rolling. to write God is dead on a piece of paper, sign their name, and just hand it to me. And everyone in class is like, yeah, sure, I don't give a shit. Whatever, I'll do whatever it takes to get through this class with this idiot blowhard teaching it. But Josh Wheaton can't do it. He cannot deny his Lord. And so he says, I can't do it. I think there is a God. And Professor Radisson says, I'm going to give you 20 minutes at the end of the first three lectures to make to make the case for God. Or do whatever you want. Hey, you want to go up there and just beatbox for a while? I don't care. I'm going to flunk you anyway. But now, if you can prove there's a God, then I'll pass you in this class. Now, if you won't get mad at me for interrupting your <laughs> synopsis yet again, I don't think we can pass I mean, over you this can get mad at you now, quickly. Because, like, pass po- over, Dan? Are you referring to my religion? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I mean, you know, we still use that part of the book. We just don't really focus on it that much. Uh, do you celebrate Passover? No. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, we recognize it. We don't celebrate like it. You, if it was walking down the street, you'd you know, be like, hey, hey, I've seen you. I know that holiday. <laughs> uh, don't, you no, would... don't, don't tell me. Uh, pa- <laughs> Are you the one with the candles? Persimmons, right? <laughs> no, but... Um, Patty Chayefsky, right? <laughs> to borrow uh, from the good book... The premise of that this... good book is not something happened by Joseph Heller. <laughs> Look, I'm a big fan of Joseph Heller. Don't like that particular book. The premise of this movie is built on sand. This uh, it's the just I- like the movie House of Sand and Fog, <laughs> yeah. but they don't even have the fog to shore up the house. And I hate sand. The idea <laughs> so it gets rough. everywhere. Yeah. Not like Natalie Portman's skin. <laughs> it gets in your butt. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, you're misremembering that movie. <laughs> that would have been so great. Anakin, your skin, your skin Anakin doesn't Skywalker, get in my butt. Anakin Skywalker's running his hands over <laughs> Princess Amidala, and he just goes, I hate sand. It gets in your butt. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, whoa, what? Whoa, what did Watto do to you? <laughs> Point you is, so Dan, it's, this is a straw man movie. If this is a straw man. Pr- like, this the, is the, the idea that any I, college I professor. I haven't seen a movie with a straw man this big since Wizard of Oz. <laughs> boom. Boom. Burned. You were going to say Wicker <laughs> Man? Toasted. Put it in. Wicker Man also works. Put it in, in, in Entertainment Weekly's notable quotables. <laughs> Do they have that? <laughs> they have like quotes from the week. I mean, it's usually Reese Witherspoon saying something, anyway, but you could have been in. Podmas, cue it up. But no, like the idea that any uh, college professor anywhere in the U.S. would be like, all right, for a third year grade, you have to deny the fact now, that God exists. Now, here's I'm going to give the, the movie beginning. the benefit of the doubt All right. that there is some professor somewhere who is a big enough pompous ass that he would do that. But yeah. the idea that that professor... But he professor, would be fired immediately. Yeah, and the idea that that well, professor... Unless he's got a, tenure. Is a, that's the problem. It's like diplomatic immunity, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and diplomatic Dan, immunity. Until Danny Glover says <laughs> tenure just got revoked yep. and then shoots them in the head. 
Yeah. But I, the idea that this is this is the threat that is shaking the foundation of young people's minds mm-hmm. is is goofballs. Well, yeah, that everybody in the class was immediately willing to just like, yeah, sure, God's dead, sign, and sign. And <clears> except for the name. one guy who who left early because it was because he, the class was going to be too expe- hard. Yeah, yeah, that Timberwolves fan. You got to assume that that guy was like a really devout Christian. <laughs> Yeah. He if he'd stuck around, he would have made an even yeah. more convincing argument. He wanted a goof off yeah. class, but he was like a genius. So he would have more. So he would have more time to pray. Yeah. Oh, an easy class. He'll have more time to just speak to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Work on this psalm I'm writing. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted this to altarpiece triptych. Reiterate how stupid <laughs> the basic premise of this movie is. This is a movie that feel that is basically a Jack Chick tract mm-hmm. in movie form. But anyway, so Josh takes the case. Josh Whedon takes the case. Josh has his feet up on his desk in his private eye office. God walks in, says, <laughs> people are trying to kill me. And he goes, I'll take the case. Yeah. I work $25 a day plus indulgences. And then he makes out with God. Because <laughs> God's I, got some sweet games. That's when a deity walked in who had stems all the way from here to heaven. <laughs> they went all the way up. <laughs> he had a beard that just clouds. wouldn't quit. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Anyway, uh, there's also, and there's a couple different... We're introduced to a panoply of characters. Much, yeah. I've, I've used this as a description before with other movies, but it is much like a Dickens novel, in that there are a number of character strands that, well, in a Dickens novel, they would come together beautifully, or in a Seinfeld episode, let's say. But this is sub-Seinfeld structure. There are a bunch of strands that don't really come together, and I think, Dan, you pointed out mm-hmm. this was supposed to be like a crash Babel-type, yeah. lots of people, con- like, lives intersecting. It's yeah. all part of God's plan, man. Sometimes things just don't intersect and we make learn sense. learn how yeah. all these people's lives touch one another, mm-hmm. you know? It's just a real, like everyone's lives touch one another in real life. It's a real Gary Marshall's Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah. But imagine Valentine's Day was about the real Saint Valentine, a Christian martyr. But we spent instead we spend though much of the movie just watching these subplots, wondering like how are these connected and yelling at the screen. And turns out many of them are not. So let's mark down off all the subplots, can we? There's a Chinese exchange student, uh-huh. okay, or just a Chinese student at an American school who is there. He's yeah. Chinese. That's his plot. Yeah, yeah. And eventually he becomes a Christian. And he's he's he, he, he wears child sweaters. Yeah. There's Kevin Sorbo's girlfriend who is mm-hmm. also a christian and he belittles her yeah. she yeah. has a senile mother and i mean she's younger than him that's the only way you can keep her around yeah and the senile yes yeah, he negs her a lot yeah he, he's always negging her faith <laughs> i think that's i think that's in the game <laughs> go up to yeah. a woman and neg her faith a lot <laughs> you want to alternate compliments and blasphemy uh, yeah. that's how you get a woman you're like oh taoism yeah okay i'm an uncarved block <laughs> whatever great Hey, you're real beautiful, uh, but maybe we reincarnate as someone who's not so fat. Anyway, want to sleep with me? That's yeah. how it goes. Uh, anyway, there's so she has a senile old mom who's in like two scenes, but she also has a brother who never visits the mother, played by Dean Kane. Dean Kane, mm-hmm. TV's Superman. TV's Ripley's, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> he was the host, I guess. Broken Ble- Hearts Club member himself, yeah. Dean Kane, uh, who is a from, <laughs> from TV's Las Vegas as well. Yeah. Yeah. Where the hero was named Danny McCoy. It all comes full circle, I, I know, guess. Yeah, that was God. That's proof of God. It's a miracle. Anyway, <laughs> Dean Kane is a high-powered executive of some kind. I think he's yeah. a lawyer. He just got made partner. Oh, oh that's point. right, partner. Uh, so and he's an he's, asshole. And he's a jerk to his girlfriend, mm-hmm. who is a reporter for an online like website a blog of or some something? kind. Yeah. And, and she is 
ready. She is looking to take down the Duck Dynasty guys. Yeah, we, for one, they're being too religious, and two, they're killing ducks. Yeah, we need yeah. to we need to take a little moment to go into this in a little a little more depth. Uh, she ambushes. She like walks out from behind a pillar and thrusts a, uh, a recorder into their face. Ambushes to, into them the all. face of a Duck Dynasty guy. Yeah, and his wife. on the way mm-hmm. to church, and like, how you've made a whole bunch of money off of manufacturing things that allow you to lure ducks to their death. So she's blowing the lid off the idea that people hunt ducks. She's finally someone's gonna <laughs> someone's gonna take down the duck hunting industry after yeah. He's like, several but I thought that was years. a secret. Uh, but I thought my duck calls are just for entertainment purposes. <laughs> if someone uses them for duck murder, I can't be held legally liable. Ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh. No, but he actually in this he uh, of course because it's all scripted. He owns it very charmingly and comes off as a rational person, where she comes off as a crazy person. I mean, she does. She, her hair is all is crazy. crazy. She, she also, oversleeps. The first time we see her, she oversleeps because her alarm clock mm-hmm. clock isn't set right. She goes to her car and the window. She's microwaving a takeout container of coffee. I don't know why her takeout <laughs> container of coffee is not hot. Well, no, but she's very cheap, and so she just reuses the takeout <laughs> container. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's too impatient, so she stops hey, the microwave. I never realized later on that character. Well, this is a character. Who, and this movie is so mean to this character. She is like a humanist atheist. She has a bumper sticker that says like "I heart evolution" or something. Mm-hmm. And God is just constantly shitting on her. Yeah. And it's like I can understand if the movie was like, "Hey, you have all these great things in your life, and you don't recognize that they come from God." And she was like, "Oh, wait a minute. You know what? That makes sense." But instead, the movie is like God is just kind of like flicking her in the face constantly, mm-hmm. and then he gives her cancer. Well, that may come from reusing a which microwave ex- to take out coffee. Which explains yeah. oversleeping and being kind of messy all the time, and right? And her car being broken into. <laughs> yeah, that's because the thieves main, can sense frailty. Yeah, the they, can, they can smell weakness on her. Messiness. But, like, you really wonder why this, like, what is this woman doing that in this universe? I guess that later free yeah. will comes up. Maybe she's the example of someone who is finally chooses <clears throat> God after Bad stuff happens to her. I don't know. She's a regular Job story. But she goes out to She's dinner. She's a regular she Job. <laughs> she goes out to dinner with the, the savage the she Job. You see what happened was she's a lawyer by day lawyer and a she Je- Job by night. <laughs> lawyer Jessica Walters got her uh, Jessica Walters from Arrested Development. You, you got it. She got a blood transfusion from her cousin Job, transforming her into she Job. That was a mistake. Mm. Now she, when she gets mad, she has the power to lose everything she has and be covered in boils. That's a terrible, terrible superhero. Hey. But at least free will is intact. Am and I right? she got a blood transfusion out of the deal. <laughs> yep, yeah. yeah, free blood. <laughs> Keep it coming. She goes out to dinner with the She Hulk. She Hulk is really Jennifer Walters. Oh, okay. Yeah. She goes out to dinner with uh, Jean Dean Kane. Jean Gray. She goes out to dinner with Jean Gray. It's the ladies' the, the Phoenix. She Job and and Jean Gray are out on the town. Two super superheroines. There's a bank Weirdly. robbery. Jean Gray uses her telepathic and telekinetic powers to stop it, while She Job writhes in pain. <laughs> <laughs> As the adversary makes an unfair deal with God to test her faith. No, but she goes out to dinner with Dean Kane. Face front, front, <laughs> true believers. It's me, Stan Lee, with the newest Mighty Marvel sensation, right. She Job. We know you love the incredible Job, but it's the 70s. Time to give women a shot at the brass ring. But you're talking about how uh, she suffers so much. Like, Dean Kane comes in, it's like. Oh, I got uh, a promotion at work. I'm going to make partner. And she's like, I think I've got cancer. And he goes, we talked about this. <laughs> like, you knew what this was. 
Come on. Like, he's like, can't this wait till tomorrow? Yeah. And this is the first point at which Stuart got up, rubbed his eyes, and started pacing around the room. <laughs> we had a really tough time watching this movie. It's so com like the villains are so comically bad and oh. they are one step away from twirling a mustache. <laughs> exactly. But we're not even done with the subplots because yeah. in addition, there's another comically evil villain in the subplot of the Muslim girl. Oh, yeah. secretly flirting with Christianity, but her very religious father does she's not She's listening approve. to the audiobook of the Bible. <laughs> she's literally listening to Corinthians on her iPod. And yeah. So she's punished brother, for being lazy, of course, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the sin of sloth. <laughs> God said for you to read that word. But uh, If God had meant, meant you to, re, uh, to listen to it, he would have invented iPods much earlier. And when, here's the thing. The first time we see them... She is in a car with she. Well, the first time we see her, she's getting out of a car that her dad drives her to school, and then she works in the cafeteria without. without and she's her, fixing her burka, right? Well, it's mm -hmm. a, more of a hijab. Okay, but without she's working without her job. Her job, and here's Josh talking with his girlfriend, who does not approve of Josh's religiosity because mm -hmm. she sees him one day becoming a high-powered lawyer. She thinks it's religious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to quote Bill Maher. See, I wonder if is there supposed to be some some idea that if Josh goes down the path of a law degree instead of Christ, he will become Dean Cain? <laughs> like, is that is this like a Don Draper becoming Roger Sterling while Pete Campbell yeah. becomes I mean, Don I don't Draper think there's thing? ever a point where he, like, I don't think he changes his mind. I think he's still planning to get a law degree. Okay, but he'll just be in, like, God court. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, I mean, that's the world, dude. Pope Harry Anderson. <laughs> now, what if... <laughs> what if what if it was called Night Papal Court? And it was just like the Pope booking prostitutes and like purse thieves. Yeah. And of course John Larroquette was like the horny bishop. <laughs> He's like yeah. All his sentences are like venal sin or mortal sin. That's all it comes down to. And of course the pale, the bailiff, papal bull. Mm. And he would be words. terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> because he's half bull, half pope. <laughs> That's my new character, Papal Bull. Mm -hmm. Sure. He's a Batman villain. Anyway, so the. Uh... He lives in a labyrinth <laughs> with David Bowie. <laughs> Bowie. <laughs> Take a Bowie. That's a Madonna song. Anyway, so the. Uh, what subplot? Oh yeah, so she there was know. a scene where so her, she fixes her head wrap. Anyway, she looks. She puts it on at one point, at and another girl once shows. While he talks okay. about faith, so of course she's in love with him now. She fixes her head wrap, and a girl tells her, "You're so beautiful, you shouldn't have to wear that." Then she gets into a car with her father, and there's a scene with her father where her father's like, "I know it's hard being part of their world, but also being apart from it. But I hope you understand that we have our faith, and I love you, and that's why I." want you to stay faithful and it was a moment where i was like oh i'm surprised this overtly christian movie is like seems to have a sympathetic moment for a muslim character maybe they're just saying yeah, belief in any god is better than than d unbelief than spoken no by faith. a character uh, uh, who's played by an actor who has only four credits listed as terrorist yeah so i was thinking <laughs> maybe you know maybe i'll give this movie more of a doubt of course i stopped that when later he discovers she's listening to the bible on her ipod and punches her mm. yep. and throws her out of the house it's like oh no wait nope islam bad i get the idea okay yep uh, he stands um, up for his uh faith i guess and uh, loses a daughter for it. Yeah, exactly. it's just like Fiddler on the Roof, except anyway, with punching. To return to the main thrust of the story, were though, there any subplots that I missed? Uh, you talked about Alzheimer's mom. Yeah, right? Alzheimer's mom. I think that was she was bitten by a radioactive Alzheimer's. 
that says I think that's it. So the, so Josh is continuing to continuing his debate with Kevin Sorbo. Yep. It seems to be mainly about them throwing quotes at each other from like mm-hmm. Stephen Hawking and PowerPoint presentations. And, PowerPoint, and there's a, these are some of these are pretty professionally animated these PowerPoint yeah. presentations. And I have to say. They spent. Yeah, I mean, I think you should be going for like a like a computer uh, design degree or something. Yeah, he's much better at that. Like a web designer or something, or or some kind of maybe he could get a job at Pixar or something. You know? I mean, I don't know computers that well. That could be something that just comes with basic Windows now. I don't know. A, pos- a PowerPoint animation of evolution <laughs> as the Big Bang. Yeah, with yeah. Like Charles Darwin and floating clouds behind his head. Yeah, and it says Bazinga. <laughs> Why? <laughs> That's what happens when the Big Bang happens. Oh, the Big Bang. Someone theory. yells it. Yeah, I hate it so much. Anyway, <laughs> that's my least favorite catchphrase of all time. Uh, um, it's it's the Kokomo of catchphrases. Yeah. Anyway, there's a series of three debates there's a series of, but where each, Kevin Sorbo is revealed as a pretty stupid college professor. They're all pretty... Each debate is basically this. Kevin Sorbo goes... Because he had seemed so professional before. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> when he said, and when he said, just sign God is dead is on a piece of paper. But uh, mm-hmm. each debate basically goes like this. Josh Make goes... Make your check out too. God is dead... <laughs> Care of Kevin Sorbo for a million dollars. Nope, nope, nope. You uh, you spelled it Sorbo. That's not how it's actually spelled. not my name. Oh, I see the problem here. You wrote Kevin Sorbone. I don't. That my bone is actually not sore at all. Sure. The, Funny joke though. Excellent stuff. Write me a real check, please. Mr. Newman, Mr. Alfred E. Newman, you can leave now. Now here's what happens. Mr. Sylvester. <laughs> From cracked. How did he get into college? <laughs> He's a janitor. Is he just taking that class? Uh, two words. Will hunting. <laughs> a genius janitor, just like Sylvester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What if <laughs> what if Goodwill hunting was just about Sylvester and he's like he's like <laughs> they're like uh, he they they have that equation on the board and he walks in and instead of solving it he just writes like yeah in big letters on the, on the board and they go don't you mean bleh that's a mad thing this is cracked yeah Alfred E. Newman is his therapist yep <laughs> anyway what were we talking about a movie he just, did he, we watch he, a movie he, tonight he makes Sylvester cry because instead of saying it's not your fault he keeps going what me worry <laughs> What me worry, what me worry, what me worry, and he cries on his shoulder. You know what? I think here's the movie. The fi- finally, we have the mad cracked crossover that we need. That, that scene is undercut by Alfred E. Newman's creepy smile when he's holding him, <laughs> and the fact that his face is on Gizmo from Gremlins for some reason. <laughs> Because I guess that's what they were parodying in the issue. I don't know. Anyway, so here's how each debate goes in this class. Josh goes, hey, we have a universe. Who created it? God did. Kevin Sorbo goes, well, but Stephen Hawking said the universe created itself. And Josh is like, I'm stumped. Next week. Hey, I found another quote that says Stephen Hawking's wrong. Really? You doubt Stephen Hawking? Then who created the universe? God did. I disagree. That is the level they're on the entire time. Yeah. They're and not titans of the. Uh, this is of, not of exactly the Lincoln Douglas debates. It's not and even as the, like as the debate the debates wear on, the professor becomes a little bit uh, disturbed. He starts pacing around in the background. Yeah, yeah he he starts like, cornering the kid outside the thing and, and like grabbing him, him by the corner of that kid. Of <laughs> he uh, so he takes out a little too much tension by belittling his girlfriend. 
mm-hmm. in front of all his colleagues him. at a dinner party, and she yeah. breaks up with him. Uh, and but there's like, here's the argument of the movie: science can't explain everything in the universe, or at least it hasn't yet. So therefore, Jesus must be the Lord. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like there's a lot of steps in between there that you're not, yeah, really, you're not really getting. And he and and that's let's let's make it clear as as podcast hosts. We're not necessarily a religious people. We've got not uh, at all our different religious traditions, certainly, but we're not denying. You're a Christian. The... I'm Jewish, and Stuart, of course, worships Crom. <clears throat> yeah. Yep, he's a juggalo. Well, it's, well esta- <laughs> it's well established. But he's a, a juggalo Crom uh, old gods uh, worshiper. But um, yeah, I was just sitting here with a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a little bit of Howard the Duck thrown in. <laughs> sure, really? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, that's how I center myself by it practicing said, uh, the art of quack foo. Okay. But Howard the Duck is literally lost in a world he never made. If he didn't make the world, certainly only God did. But but here's but the our thing. argument is not necessarily with. Uh, like I know, I don't, with religion in particular, it's the shitty arguments that are being made. But in this also, film. The, the whole idea of, he should say the argument in this movie should be. It's because it's barely a movie. I think mm-hmm. is why it is we're also unhappy. barely a movie. It's like a it's like a pamphlet that is being acted with like out. Duck Dynasty guys and uh, mm-hmm. what the Newsboys and DC Talk. Which one was in this news one? Newsboys Striper. <laughs> which <laughs> the uh, here's here's the thing. His argument should be he says why don't you prove God exists and he should say I can't. But I don't have to because it's about faith and the ineffable. And the whole concept is that there are certain things in the universe that you can feel but not prove uh, scientifically. They don't have a factual basis. They have something deeper inside you that's metaphysical, blah, 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 blah. Like you can make that case in a movie and I'd say like, you know what? I can totally understand that. And I would like to live in in a universe where there are things that cold, hard science can't totally explain and that leaves a spark of the divine somewhere. But if he takes on the case of I'm going to prove God exists and his proof is just that Stephen Hawking was wrong when Stephen Hawking said a dumb thing, like, I, you know, I got, I got to say nobody wins well, this Well, but round. also, I mean, like, the, I think that part of the problem, too, is that, uh, is that the movie <laughs> sets up such a straw man uh, in the case of Kevin Sorbo. Like, yeah. Like, I haven't seen a straw man like that since Return to Oz. Okay. Is the Scarecrow in that? Maybe I'm thinking of TikTok the Clockwork Man. <laughs> yeah. All I remember is uh, Fruza Bulk getting a lot of shock therapy. Yeah, by watching uh, the movie Shock Therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, with what's her face from uh, Suspiria. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Vanessa Redgrave. Yep. Um, so anyway, uh, at the end of the movie, it's basically revealed that Kevin Sorbo is mad at God because because his mother passed his mother away when passed he was a kid from cancer, and he tried to deal with God, and God did not rescue he, his mom. Yeah, he and he. This is dramatically revealed in front of the class. He goes, mm. he goes, yes, I hate God. I hate God. And he goes, how can you hate someone who doesn't exist? Ooh, roasted. But I fucking hate Gambit, and he doesn't exist. Like yeah. my hatred of Gambit doesn't prove that Gambit is real. But also, like, <laughs> I don't like Phantom X, the, another X Men character who's basically French Gambit, which is stupid because Gambit's already Cajun. But anyway, the the they, re- doesn't mean they exist. <laughs> but him losing the case also was totally based on any number of like shitty courtroom dramas where someone just needles into someone into being angry and then they yeah. admit something on the stand. I mean, I mean, it, like the most clear antecedent was uh, was like a few good men, like you can't handle the truth. But like it goes back. To the I beginning mean, of courtroom. Twelve dramas. Angry Men kind of has that every yeah. episode of uh, like yeah. Ironsides or Perry Mason. So, but that was that was uh, a little... and a little thing called Hamlet Dan. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think uh, I think Columbo does it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Christopher Columbo. <laughs> <laughs> the the the, the cross-eyed detective who discovered America. Yeah. Uh, just one more thing, Queen Isabella. <laughs> I, I if this is a route to the Indies, <laughs> how come I how come these guys aren't Indian but in fact Native American? Uh, I, I re- oh no, that makes a lot of sense. That makes cool. a lot of I mean, sense. Uh, it's obviously uh, Mr. Uh, Columbo. Um, the point is that uh, spice is. Uh, oh, I can't. Uh, Oh, uh, uh, one more thing, one more thing, uh, King Ferdinand. If the world is flat, how come my boat didn't fall off it? Uh, well, maybe you went underneath the world. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, just one more thing. Surely a flat surface has two sides, and you could travel on either. You know what? That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, he gets Kevin Sorbo mad, which proves that God exists. Yep. The movie mm-hmm. should be over, right? Yep. Well, it's not. What's going to happen? Oh, we still have to have a big concert. We got to have like the intersection of all things, like you do in any fucking. Oh, crash oh, there movie. was a subplot we forgot, which is the the pastor, the the reverend. Oh, oh my yeah. god! How do we forget the who, longest thing? Who ever? is hosting an African missionary, and they're going to go to Disneyland, and their car keeps breaking yeah, down. They spend the whole movie in traffic. They in spend some way the whole another. movie. Well, not even getting into traffic. They spend the whole movie going from one car to another as the batteries won't start. Yeah. But it turns out. It was all an act of God, because if they had made it on their vacation, who would be there to help Kevin Sorbo find Christ when he is hit by a car in a rainstorm and on the verge of death? As he's hustling to make it to that uh, Newsboys Newsboys concert concert, that every other character is at. Also, when Kevin Sorbo broke down, all the students in class got up and said, God is not dead, and like literally all of them. Which means that this class is just looking, they're just going to go with whoever's on top at the moment. Do you think the mm-hmm. tour manager for the Newsboys was like, holy shit, dude, I just heard this story about this uh, entire class deciding to be Christian all of a sudden. We need to book a show there tonight. <laughs> tonight. Let's make this happen. Because <laughs> they even address the entire college. Like, they address is, that a, the, is that a Christian a, school? There's What's a going video on? from the Duck Dynasty guy talking about this professor. And he asks everybody in the audience to text God is not dead to everyone in their phones. And uh, one of those people is the dead Kevin Sorbo, which, again, feels like God is just pissing on the corpse at that point. At yeah. that. I mean, it yeah. was raining. At the, the, the only thing, the way it could have been more in your face is if it said, like, God is not dead, booyah. <laughs> like, that was God just, just wagging his, fi- yeah. wagging his dick it. in the face of a man he just killed with a car. Yeah, can you smell oh. what the God is cooking? <laughs> I'm so we dead, have, we have, and that makes two of us lightning bolts. We have one uh, movie villain dead then, and one, I'm guessing, going to die, the cancer girl. No, the cancer girl has discovered faith now. She prays with the so newsboys. So the newsboys suck I, the cancer out of her like they're sin eaters like or the, something? Like the Green Mile, yeah. <laughs> I spell it as a, as a legion as of a, locust a demons. They wanna... sell her cancer into a fl- herd of pigs, which runs off a cliff. <laughs> I also want to bring up another thing that happens at the end of this movie, which is... Uh, Dean Kane goes to visit his Alzheimer's uh, mom, and Alzheimer's mom, out of nowhere, was like... <laughs> Mom-Zheimer's. <laughs> yeah. She's like, out of nowhere, she goes, sometimes the devil creates a, a jail that's like a gilded cage where everything is too comfortable and you would never leave. Like, and he's like, like, like yeah, you know, I know, Mom. I, I saw Ibsen's The Dollhouse. Yeah. But, uh, which was... My problem with this was like, she actually phrases in a much better way than I've reiterated here. Like, it was actually a way yeah, that, Yeah, who like, really has Alzheimer's, Dan? Probably me. <laughs> but uh, it was in a way that, like, genuinely kind of was well-written and I might find moving as a piece of sort of... Not, not philosophy, but like a, like a theological argument 
that something you might read in an essay. Except for the fact that this movie has put it into the the mouth of this woman with dementia in a rare moment of clarity, like like we're supposed to be like, oh, it's a miracle that this fictional character had this clear, clear moment where she speaks God's truth. I'm like, no, it's not a miracle. You wrote it that way. Like, you can't just be like, wow, it's pretty crazy that this crazy lady said this mm-hmm. awesome thing when you're like, no, it's, you made it up. It's all made up. He's all like, made up, guys. I got this great exposition, but I can't fit it into this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, let me invent this Alzheimer's mom. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's, it's all offensive. I don't, it's is not, what I'm but it's never. A movie has to achieve such a high bar to ha, to write a character doing something and then expect you to take it as like a yeah a meaningful take it as God's character. wisdom that has been received somehow. Yeah, I mean it's once once again. I mean it's not a, like the sentiment itself is not terrible. It's just delivered terribly. Yeah, yeah. It's a poor it's a poor medium for that message or poor S- vessel for it. So I mean I think we've pretty much gone through the um, oh but everyone everyone's happy at the end because God's around yeah and the newsboys sing a lot we hear like ten eleven twenty five hundred newsboys think songs that was, I yep. think every you time think, you think the movie's over they start singing another song it's almost like the newsboys thought they were making a concert film and they nobody told them or maybe they made a newsboys concert film and they were like. The newsboys are not very good. Mm-hmm. We better pad this thing out with some crazy yeah. story about college professors and bad boyfriends. <laughs> yeah, bad boyfriend. The movie. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's market that right next to uh, Bad Dad Soccer Dad. <laughs> we've run the, we've run very long. Uh, let's move on to Final Much Judgment. Like the movie is this a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie you kind of like? I'm going to start off. Uh, I want to say I want to say that this is a good bad movie because it's so ridiculously. Bad, but it's too boring for that. I'm gonna say it's a bad, bad movie. What do you guys think? I'm gonna say that also. I mean, the thing is, it's for one of these types of movies. It's pretty professionally made. Yeah, like it doesn't look bad. The sound doesn't. The sound music crappy. is great. The music mm-hmm. is terrible. <laughs> but uh, but like the music is terrible just because it's cliche movie music. It's so like suspicious when and Kevin Sorbo the... is waiting in the shadows. But then there are all these scenes where it's like from God's light. But there's all like. The story is dumb and the writing is bad, and just the fact that there are like a bunch of multicultural characters who are brought in basically just to have them submit to the to white American Christian will is yeah. is kind of gross. I mean, Kevin Sorbo uh, gives it it's, gives it it's all. But and, the but the hero's probably going to end up with that that Middle Eastern girl, and she's better looking than his other girlfriend. That's true. No, look, faith in God allowed him to trade up yeah. certainly. So, and she and she just has to deal with the fact that she now has, is ex- exiled from her family. So, yeah, she has nothing now. We're all we're all <laughs> except for a sweet boyfriend. Bad bad. Um, so I'm gonna say bad bad. All right. Don't put words in my mouth, Dan. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna say this movie was strong bad. Mm-hmm. So let's move on. But before we get on to uh, Great letters, transition. There's a, there's a <laughs> master. Tra- that was almost as good as your last transition. Hey, here's the thing. <laughs> hey guys, did you hear what they're talking about down the street? I think uh, I think that was uh, one of Milton Berle's favorite uh, transitions. Milton Berle, <laughs> like the hot melting Milton Berle. He's a magman. <laughs> he, he had a giant magma cock. That's what I know about it. Yeah, him. that's all we know is it's that a, that's a classy dessert. Yeah, yeah, Uncle Multi. They used to call him. <laughs> He sold a lot of TVs because he was so hot he would melt them. People would have to get a new one. <laughs> so, Molten Burl. 
Before we move on. He lit his own cigars <laughs> with the heat of his mouth. Before we move on, a couple pieces of business. one of the great joke stealers, because he would throw lava at you if you complained. Sure. All right. Sounds like a rival space gangster who battled Pizza the Hut. All right, first off. First off, an announcement. I, I know how to deal with hecklers. <laughs> I just burst them into flames. All right. When you complain about how late you're getting back to your newborn child, just remember the time you wasted. Oh. Hey, just remember, you should say words correctly the first time. All right. So molten anyway, girl. before we... Uh, uh, what would you like for dessert? <laughs> oh, I'll have the molten burl, please. That's going to take 30 minutes, sir. <laughs> I'll wait. And then it arrives the snarly molten. <laughs> you just gave me someone else's who decided they didn't want theirs. Um, so, first off, uh... First off, Waltz. Two-time Academy Award-winning guy. Big announcement. Uh, we're having another Flophouse Live event with our pals over at I Love Bad Movies. We're screening the Lindsay Lohan thriller, lurid thriller, I Know Who Killed Me. Chiller. On Saturday, October 18th. Now, what date is that? Saturday, October? Saturday, October 18th. The show starts at 8 but you should get there about half an hour early to find your seat, order food, and watch the <clears> pre-show. It's at the Yonkers Alamo Draft House where you yeah. can get food. I recommend the molten chocolate chip cookies <laughs> yeah. made with real burl. <laughs> that's uh, th- that's at twenty five forty eight Central Park Avenue, Yonkers, New York. Uh, but this information is all at our website, flophousepodcast.com. It's too bad there. that it's too bad that you have to pay for an entire seat when you're mm-hmm. only going to need the edge. <laughs> But the payment... You're only going to need U2's The Edge to sit on. Is, uh, it's $12 for the show, which features whoa, a... Whoa, whoa. $12. You'd pay that just to see a movie without commentary about your favorite podcast. I'd pay $12 just to spend five moments basking in Dan McCoy's face light. <laughs> Thank you. Face light. But you get, in in addition to watching uh, the Lindsay Lohan new classic, new bad, bad movie classic, <laughs> I Know Who Killed Me, uh, a slideshow presentation by I Love Bad Movies and running commentary by us, the host of the Flophouse. We will not shut up the whole time. And a special guest for <laughs> Flophouse fans. <laughs> Stuart knows what I'm talking about. I wow, think you I made do. that you made that into a threat. Are we yeah. allowed to say who the special guest is? I don't know. People no, we'll talk about it like, next time. People are going to think it's like Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> Whoa, that'd be great. It's not though. So we, look, this is the last Flophouse live performance of the year. I think probably right. Sure. I mean, yeah. we're not going to do another one before January October eighteenth. We'll do another one probably Way in to January. Take the podcast, guys. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> but uh, it's going to be great. I know who killed me. If you haven't seen it, is hilariously stupid. And it's, it'll be great because that was the first episode you were ever on. I think that's true. That's it'll true. be Flophouse it's a homecoming. Home. That's right. Perhaps I'll share a few flop memories with the audience. That's adorable. But um, again, adorable. Before moving on to yeah, letters, one that. more piece of business. <laughs> What's that? I'm gonna announce Pete's pizza business. Yeah, another pizza business. It's I is Leonardo. It's called from, Danano's Pizza. <laughs> from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> like a pizza delivered to me. Um, <laughs> so if you're listening to this, throw a pizza through a time portal <laughs> so we can go back to when we were recording like, this. You've I'd probably like, seen Turtles in Time. I'd like <laughs> what Canadian, they use to get back get in time? I don't Japanese remember. Japanese magic thingy that they use. <laughs> Send me some Canadian bacon and some ooze on a pizza. <laughs> so you can, what, make a Canadian bacon mutant? Yeah. No, the uh, what I wanted to say... <laughs> Is that Bebop Rocksteady? <laughs> new contest. New contest, guys. I'm okay, announcing a nude new contest. contest. Nude contest. Be naked. 
Uh, as much as I would like to announce a nude contest, I feel like it would be frowned upon. I feel like so. we'll eventually get to a point where you're like, our new contest <laughs> is send me a picture of your boobs. <laughs> I mean, if you want to, sure. But that's not the contest. <laughs> the contest is Song of the Autumn. We all remember oh, last year ever, yeah. that the Song of the Autumn was He's the House Cat, parentheses, Arthur's theme. <laughs> yep. Yep. But we it need was, a, it was on the tip of everybody's earballs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a new autumn and we need a new song for that autumn. Okay. Uh so what Very I'm challenging kind of you Autumn Sonata, if you yeah, will. I'm challenging you all to uh you have so much audio from us, the Flophouse co host. You've got hours and hours of it over the last seven years. Take that audio, it's take what's available to years. you. Put it with a, a backing track. Auto-tune it, don't or auto-tune it. A fronting track. Loop it. Whatever you need to do to turn it into Bloop a song. it. <laughs> Just make a song uh, starring us, the Flophouse. Mm-hmm. The songs should have at least some vocals from all three of us. But beyond that, the sky's the limit. Could be uh, any style. Use some guest Zydeco, hosts. Yeah. Gospel. Mm-hmm. Reggaeton. Gospel Zydeco. Gospel <laughs> Zydeco or Augustico. <laughs> um, but Zydeco. Um, what you got to do is you got you gonna once you made your song, put it up on SoundCloud so we can embed it on our own site, mm-hmm. and then send us a link at flophousepodcast dot g. Oh, sorry, flophousepodcast at gmail dot com. It's a long email address. with the flop with the subject line <laughs> flophouse song contest in all caps. Does it really have to be in all caps? <laughs> Well, I mean, it doesn't have to be. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna police that. I'm just like. It's just that, easier for you to. It's read. easier for me to see that yeah. this is a contest because yeah. you. You great. Prefer- I don't need to get my reading glasses <laughs> again. Prefer to read the ancient Roman way of all capitals. <laughs> Flophousepodcast.com. Flophousepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Twice in a row, oh, no. I can't say After it right. After the review of the movie you did today, Jesus Christ will not be helping you pronounce that name correctly. <laughs> so, all right, here's the thing. Flophousepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. So the deadline to get those songs in is October 1st. And we will make the songs available on our website for folks to vote on. Voting period being October the 2nd through October the 13th. This has all been tied to our release schedule. I've looked at our calendar. Good, because I don't look at calendars. Yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> Ever since Calendar Man tried to get me. <laughs> and then on the podcast episode dropping October 18th, the second and last episode in Shocktober... And coincidentally, the same date as our live show. Listen we, to the episode while you drive up to the live yeah, show. Yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. Be a super fan. We will announce the winner on that episode on October the 18th. And uh, what we get? Well, the winning song will be played at the end of the episode that drops on November 1st. And the winner will get a t-shirt and get to pick a movie that we will uh, talk about on the show. Please don't make it God's Not Dead. No. I mean, that would be weird. That to do we, two we episodes just did it. Walking show. with dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give them the idea or to Labor make us Day. Do the same episodes over again. So that's so. Flophouse contest. Mm-hmm. Take our audio, make it into a song, music it up, you Mozarts out there. Yeah. yeah. Send it to us. We'll put it up on the site. It'll get voted on. And the winner of the vote decides the movie we watch and gets a shirt. A Flophouse shirt? Yeah. Not okay. just like a nice <clears throat> polo? No. 
Not just like a like a Jack Spade. Ide- shirt. Ideally, not, not, not like like one of those enormous Johnson <laughs> t-shirts kids Let's, used to wear. Yeah, they both exist. All three of them. There's more than one penis pun. But um, here's what I'll say: you uh, get a coed naked flopping shirt. If you didn't get all of those rules, don't despair. Go to our website, flophousepodcast.com. I will stick all of those rules up there. Yeah. Um, ideally, ideally, I want to be some kind of like Muggs character from Cypress Hill. <laughs> <laughs> but I it just think... repeats what you guys say in the background. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you can make me sound and a like hat? I'd like a hat. If you can make me sound like one of the guys from Sparks. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's time, however, to move on to letters from listeners. Letters. Oh, it's boy. letters time, but it's also pretty late, so this is gonna be a pretty short letter song. Pretty late. Letter song. <laughs> it's late letters, letters, late letters after dark. Letters after dark, sexy letters. After dark. <laughs> really do, really laying on this Muggs character, huh? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Elliot and Muggs reading the letters with Dan. <laughs> after dark. It's so late. After Watch dark. Out. <laughs> Okay. Watch out for a werewolf, because that's how dark and late it is. Werewolf. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so this first letter. Letter the first. First it up. Oh, first course in the letter meal. Eat up those letters, but this one first. It's in a moose-bouche of letters. Appetizer. <laughs> Thanks. Small plate. Okay. Well, this is from Kathy Last Name Withheld. And she hey, writes. Hack. <laughs> she writes, Dear Flophouse, <laughs> my boyfriend Irving won't marry me. Act. <laughs> all this sweat flying off of my head. Chocolate. I have a dog. <laughs> and that's all I know about Kathy. <laughs> so, no, what she really writes is You once read a letter about movie scenes that frightened you as children. It got me thinking about my own scarifying movie moments. And then I started thinking about scenes in movies I saw as a kid that made me deeply sad. Dan, I like to imagine that you two were a somewhat depressive child, so maybe you can... Well, judging by your adulthood, yes. (laughs) So maybe you can identify with the feeling of becoming aware of this vast reservoir of sorrow and despair that existed in the world, which you didn't quite understand, but you felt, perhaps in the form of an invisible weight on your shoulders or a faint nausea in your stomach. For me, it was a scene in The NeverEnding Story... When Atreyu's horse dies, that made me feel the first twinges of awareness that the world is a terrible, unfair, miserable place. Not just the world of the story, but this world. The world where I had to be in the room and watch this happening. The never-ending story is a pretty obvious choice. The horse just has to not give up, though, dude. Yeah, well, it didn't. Didn't not get up. It it gave up. Yeah. The never-ending story is a pretty obvious choice, as is Old Yeller. What were some other scenes in movies that you guys saw as children that made you want to kill yourself, Stuart wow. and Elliot? I like to imagine that you are more on the happy-go-lucky scale than Dan, but there had to be something. Maybe there was a scene in Castle Freak Babies that made you a little wistful, Stuart. <laughs> Thanks for all the laughs. I really love you guys. Kathy, last name withheld. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks for listening. We love you, too. Oh, boy. I'm going to go Thanks first. The saddest sad. thing I remember watching as a kid was uh, in the... The animated Return of the King movie, uh-huh. when uh, Gollum dies, it's the saddest thing. Like, I remember going into my bedroom and just, like, sitting on my bed and crying that this poor bastard had to die. <laughs> oh, man. Mine was also animated. Was it the scene in Dumbo where his mother has been locked up in the jail crit wagon 
and he's crying and she sings baby mine to him and curls her trunk around him and he's got these big very like solid tears coming out of his face as a as a little boy like the saddest thing i could think of would be to have be locked away from my mother basically or have her locked away from me it's really sad it affects me even today but it but as an adult it takes very little to make me cry at a movie i think uh, have i told you i've told you guys my story about the iron giant right uh no. Every I mean that I animation do. is beautiful. I, I mean, mean every time I see the Iron Giant, the Iron Giant would always cry. It makes me cry at the end. Every time I see it, I cry. And when I was first dating my wife, my now wife, I wish she was. We were showing each other movies that meant a lot to us. And I said, I want to show the show the Iron Giant. She's like, All right. And I'm like, Just so you know, I'm gonna warn you. I'm gonna cry at this. And when it was over, she was like, I didn't think you were gonna cry that much. <laughs> Just like <laughs> sheets of water falling down my face. I mean, but I was in college when Iron Giant came out. So yeah. Not like I wasn't a kid when that came out. Elliot, you genuinely like stole the one that I was gonna say. Like that was literally the thing. I'm that sorry w- that. No, no, I'm just gonna cry about <laughs> you stealing it. Yeah. No, it's double sad. Um, but that when I was a kid, that was the saddest thing I think I'd ever yeah. seen. But no, I agree. I mean, I will confirm with Kathy that I was and remain a sort of depressed. Uh, you can tell your story about Dumbo. Person. No, no, no. It's fine. It's whatever. It's you know. It's not important. Sad. Now, as as a grown man. Basically, if I see that Tom Hanks is in the movie, I'm like, "Fuck, dude!" I might, <laughs> I might cry this one. Really? I mean, the thing like is, Larry like, Crown. Well, no, but well, like, look at like, fucking Toy Story three and fucking the end oh. of Captain Phillips. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. help Captain it. Captain Phillips, man, that it's fucking brutal, tore man. Me it was rough. That was brutal. Yeah, like this, this is like Toy it, Story three. Yeah, Toy Story three. Yeah, they no, just hold each other's hands, man. It's crazy. That's that was the. I think the saddest thing about that moment, Toy Story three, was that like I saw that movie in the theater with Dan, and we're both like crying. Our wives. <laughs> well, They're like, why are these guys crying? Seeing that and being like, I could totally see the movie ending this way, and them like being melted down and becoming new toys. But like, it'd be the saddest thing in the world. So just them. Sure, it's some like what like. Mobius strip where they're like oh yeah yeah they can never rest their souls are forever wandering in the form of toys but yeah them them all holding hands like as they go into the as they're going to the flames that was super sad yeah I was crying at that sure but I wasn't like no I was crying way harder dude (laughs) but I was like Tom Hanks you got me again that thing thing you do is make me cry it's easier for me to like I mean part of it is just like it's been a while it's easier for me to remember things as an adult that make me sad like or things that like have consistently made me sad when i watch movies that i like over and over again like i always tear up at the end of raising arizona when like oh sure nicholas yeah. cage has his, his long his monologue. monologue or uh for whatever reason like most wes anderson movies have a moment that like make me like tear up but like for some reason of all of them the the, the most consistent one might be actually uh the life aquatic where at the end, when Bill Murray looks at the tiger shark and says, I wonder if he remembers me. like, And that's one where it makes me sad because I, I just can't explain why it's affecting me so emotionally. But it I can't explain it either. To something. What a stinker. Yeah. All right. <laughs> what do you mean? I like that movie. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, no, we, you know, we, the, the, it's safe to assume that we're all, you know... We're all softies uh, at heart. We're all, yeah, we, our hearts are on our sleeves. Since we're all grown-up Which is children. terrible. It's a terrible 
uh, medical condition to have our hearts on our sleeves, which yeah. is not even part of our body. Yeah, like, it's, it's like sewn a, it's a to super our, like, weakness, dude. It means yeah. that our heart, if you bump into someone on the subway in the wrong way, it could mm-hmm. kill you. We're like yeah. one of those monsters in one of those games where you have a gun and you're shooting at them, mm-hmm. and uh, like all of a sudden the game pauses and it's like, shoot that place, dude. Yeah, we're like, like why doesn't it have legion. armor on it? <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly like the angels in the legion. Fall apart. <laughs> yeah. uh, the next letter, Just though. Just a bunch of sleeve hearts. From uh, Letter number two. Charlie last name. This would be the pasta course in an Italian letter segment. (laughs) Secundi. (laughs) He writes, Stuart, don't worry. I've got your back. Good. Oh, you were looking for your back. This guy's got it. (laughs) First, let me just state how weird it is the two major controversies that have arisen in the long storied history of the Flophouse both revolve around Stuart's failure to accurately explain (laughs) some factor regarding a monster's genitalia. But this is not about Ding Dong Gate. Ding Dong Gate and Wormy Boner Gate and yeah. Crypt Keeper's Boner Gate. This is about the recent controversy about the Crypt Keeper's penis. <laughs> In a recent <laughs> letter, someone chided Stuart. I think Stuart. I'm going to get, wait, I think I might get whiplash from the emotional content of the last letter and this one. Someone chided Stuart for having uh, two different versions of Morbid Dong. But I can prove that not only yeah. is Stuart right in both of his penis interpretations, but I can prove it within the continuity of Tales from the I think Crypt. we're going to need Kevin Swordbone <laughs> to come in here and adjudicate Swordbone. this matter. That's like if, if the subtext of Conan the Barbarian was just like brought out a little too obviously, <laughs> the character Swordbone. Yep, we, some beautiful wench with alabaster skin and yeah. black flowing hair. Mm-hmm. Gonna, okay. We start in the I'm past. I'm going to kill this wizard with my dick and then have sex with you. <laughs> we start in the past, specifically during the golden age of EC Comics, and the collected Taint the Meat, It's the Humanity, the collected Jack Davis. We I love see it, yeah. About halfway through the book, The Secret Origin of the Crypt Keeper. I'll keep it short, but an Egyptian mummy escapes from a traveling sideshow, steals the pickled corpse of an inbred zombie redneck, gets married to it, does the horizontal monster mash, and gives birth to a very much alive Crypt Keeper. Wait, the, so he was dead from birth? I guess. The Crypt Keeper <clears throat> didn't become a zombie until much later in his career. What does all this have to do with the Seaman's junk? Well, pigs are associated in myth, myth with the Egyptian god Set. Set, who cut off his brother Osiris's penis. Osiris was the Egyptian god of the afterlife. Story checks out. I thought mm-hmm. Anubis was the... Oh, no, Osiris, I guess, is king of the afterlife, and Anubis yeah. is just the judge. Whose purview included mummification. The and judge in <laughs> Egypt Night Court, yes. in which Harry Anubis uh, mm-hmm. is the, you know, books prostitutes into... The afterlife. Sure. So he's the jackal-headed god. Yeah. Osiris has what? The, like, falcon? No, the falcon the bird. Is, is, is Horus or Ra, right? Oh, Osiris, right. I don't remember what his what his animal head is. Is it like a crane? No, it's like a crane. Yeah, I think so. Okay, like a hairy crane. And what? <laughs> yeah. is, is Sobek the, uh, the like alligator crane. head? Yeah, Sobek is the alligator. Some, and uh, what? Is, who's the cat? Uh, bat starts with a B, right? That's the house cat. Yeah. As Osiris and, or Bast, 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 and of course the Bastet are the were were cats in the World of Darkness role playing game. <laughs> You're welcome, guys. Anyway, he continues as Osiris is on pretty rough terms with Set. It makes perfect sense that he would curse the blasphemous offspring of one of his mummies by mutilating its genitals. Why? Because when the mummy and the redneck got married, it was in a Christian church, which spits in the face of the mummy's traditional Osirisan upbringing. Uh, could have been a Coptic Christian. Boom. And, and as pigs reminded him of his traitorous brother, it would make sense he would use the pig's own tales as an inspiration 
for his cruelty. So while CK was a living being, he had a curly penis. <laughs> when he died, however, his father's zombie redneck jeans kicked in and turned his penis into a slim gym. One became when you die, your jeans <laughs> yep. kick in. One because he's a zombie, <laughs> and two because rednecks love slim gyms. If there's a flophouse equivalent of a no prize, I'll gladly accept it. Charlie, last name withheld. I I want to award you an honorary flop prize, which is an award for people who have wasted their and our time. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent work doing that. Yeah. What was his name, Charlie? Yeah. Thanks, Charlie, for writing in and reminding me of that great uh, Tales from the Crypt comic. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, so last letter of the evening is oh, from the oh, last oh, one. So would, would this be the main course or the dessert? Are we not getting dessert? Is this preemie? <laughs> this is, is uh, this a preemie? Is this our pre-theater Pikes fix? Yeah. No, I think you're, this is panicata. You're having panicata at the oh, end of Oh, I don't like panicata. All right. I'm continue. sorry. This is what you got to have. You're not going to like this panicata even more in a second. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, this better not be the panicata, I think. Or is it going to be snore shadowing? Oh, David. No. no. Last name with hell, Elliot's brother. Oh, God. The worst Panacotta. <laughs> I wrote a letter into the show regarding uh, your abduction uh. episode. So many of his letters start with, why didn't you answer my previous letter? And Where's my <laughs> elephant? Where's my elephant? <laughs> I wrote in uh. about the abduction episode and the statues at PNC Park in Pittsburgh. Much of this centered around the bizarre statue of Hall of Fame slugger Ralph Kiner's hands holding a bat and nothing else. Well, you may or may not know. <laughs> even though there was, even though holding a bat and nothing else is not sexy, <laughs> the phrase and nothing else is yeah. burned into my mind with meaning like nudity. Yeah. Yep. Just uh, anytime I read a uh, long-time reader, first-time writer. <laughs> yeah. But you may or may not know that he passed away this February at the age of 91 after 72 years in baseball as both a player and as an announcer for several decades for my painfully beloved New York Mets. I thought you might be interested to know nope. that kind of... <laughs> a touching eulogy on the, this jerk podcast about <laughs> nonsense. Was quite the playboy in his day. And among the women he is known to have dated in the 1950s and 60s were actresses Elizabeth Taylor and Janet Leigh. Not to I, mention ambassador to the UN and former first lady Eleanor Roosevelt. I can only assume he was a more stable bo- boyfriend for Lee than Captain Bennett Marco and the Manchurian <laughs> Candidate. <laughs> really getting the character and the actor mixed up <laughs> David, there. last name That's withheld. The, but that was the whole that letter. That was the whole letter. <laughs> you know what? I'm willing to bet that this that this professional ball player, yes, was not a brainwashed veteran <laughs> struggling with his memories of his of his comrades becoming a murderous assassin. Yeah. So, yeah. But thank you all to everyone who wrote in. Um, mm, except nah. for maybe the last one. <laughs> But, he, uh, kinda, he won me over with the Manchurian Candidate rest, reference. Now, I was going to say Manchurian Candidate restaurant. Which <laughs> well, that's a great idea. Great Why don't mess. you pass the time by having a little solitaire cake? <laughs> uh, I would imagine it'd be like an Asian fusion restaurant, right? Asian yeah. fusion it would fused be like a, with like a Russian, traditional American food? It would be like a Russian-Asian styled, yeah, American traditional food. You know, farm to table, of course. Yeah, it Just looks a like a Bob Evans and you go in and it's all... <laughs> Russian and Chinese food. That every table has a pot of hydrangeas on it. Uh, but the last segment. And the waitress uh, the, the waitress always kisses you at the end of the meal, which is weird because she's your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Just like in the movie. Oh, what a great movie. Dan, why don't we watch that? I guess That's a genuinely great movie. Outside of our purview. Ugh. Sorry. Um, but the last segment. You yeah. might like this. 
What's if you want on? to talk about good movies, okay, this is where we recommend good movies that we've seen. So this is where people and think turn that other people should watch them. Okay. So Elliot, what do you got? What do you got? Well, rec- up? recently I watched a movie called God's Not Dead. Okay. It really no, opened my not. eyes to the fact that etc. Anyway, I'd like to recommend this. Is you know what? I owe Dan an apology because here I am about to recommend a movie I saw where in a theater. And my you guys own are home? both gonna fucking recommend plane nope, movies. Nope, it's again. a movie I saw on a plane. I mean, the best movie oh, man, I saw on closer a plane. to heaven, of course. <laughs> the best movie I saw on a plane was the movie that Elliot's about to but recommend. This is a so. movie I wanted to see in the theaters, and I just happened to miss it. And luckily, it was on a plane when I was on a tiny plane. little screen. Mm-hmm. On a tiny little screen, and I made the screen smaller because I used one of those Brazil magnifying glasses, <laughs> but <Sure>. backwards. <laughs> So instead of making a little screen big, I got a big screen made little. Uh, but the movie I watched was Yodorovsky's Dune, oh. the documentary story of the ill-fated adaptation of Frank Herbert's Dune by Alejandro Yodorovsky, long known as the craziest director that people have heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they interviewed a lot of interesting people in it. Uh, they managed to talk to H.R. Geiger before he died. Oh, great. And uh, they talk about, they have some audio recording from Dan O'Bannon, who, of course, passed away years ago. But they talk about the interesting story about how Alejandro Jodorowsky, who had, at that point, had a number of successful art films, uh, El Topo and the Magic Mountain and whatnot, he decided he was going to make... Holy Mountain. Uh, oh, yeah, Holy Mountain, sorry. Uh, he decided he was going to make... Roasted. <laughs> totally <Boom>. correctified. <laughs> he was going to make an adaptation of the of the book Dune, but he wasn't just going to do a straight adaptation. He was going to make a movie which, in his words, would raise the consciousness of a generation. <laughs> and he, he came up with all what these... What an asshole. He decided... He traveled the world putting together... But he together assembled, his, like, the craziest, greatest, his, like, team of this people. This team of what he called his warriors, which was, like, H.R. Geiger and Dan O'Bannon and Pink Floyd and the band Magma and... Moibus. And uh, yeah, and and, uh, and Mobius, or as he always says it, Moebius. Moebius, yeah, that's John Garot, Garot, the uh, the French comic artist, and also this cast that was never going to be able to stick together, which was made up of David Carradine, Mick Jagger, Orson Welles, and Salvador Dali, and Alejandro Jodorowsky's own son in the part of Paul Atreides. Yeah. And it's that, like this movie sounds crazy, eights bonkers all the way through, and of course it was never going to happen. But the story of how they almost got it put together and the amount of passion that he put into this uh this work is really interesting and they show you a number of shots of this book that they had printed and bound which is the entire script and storyboard of what this movie would be and the movie makes it sound like there's only a couple copies in existence they ship they sent copies of all the of this book to all the studios in hollywood and there are almost none left and like i haven't wanted to see a book this badly since I first learned about the Codex Serafinianus, and since I now own the Codex Serafinianus, a copy of it, I'm going to have to try to maybe own a copy of this Dune book, if it's even possible, which it probably isn't. But uh, it really made me but think... But after that movie came out, I was kind of like, why not, why not reprint it? print up this book? Yeah, man? why not publish it? I mean, it's... I don't know what kind of niche market would... it would The book would cost like 400 bucks or something. Yeah. But the, like... Uh, but it was just like this great look at a movie that I don't know if it really should have been made. It sounds like it would have been insane. And I love the book Dune, and this movie would not have been Dune. But there's also a great moment where, to just to spoil one thing, where the movie is falling <laughs> was, apart. Was Mick Jagger going to play one of the shy Holud? He was going to play. Uh, oh, why can't I remember his name? He was going to play Fade Rutha. Rutha. Oh. <laughs> which is pretty good. I don't yeah, know, it's pretty yeah. good casting. And Salvador Dali was going to be the emperor of the universe and everything. Sure. But uh, he, there's a moment where the movie has fallen apart. 
and David Lynch's version has come out, and Alejandro Jodorowsky is so distraught because to him, David Lynch, as to all of us, is a great artist, and he's like, oh no, he made this movie, what if he did it better than me? This great artist working with the same material, and he doesn't want to see the movie, and his family makes him go see it, and he watches it, and he is delighted to find that it is the shittiest movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the delight in Alejandro Jodorowsky's face as he remembers how bad the movie was is it, like his charisma is he's such a charmer. He like yeah. he's so charming. He's in the so movie. charismatic and charming throughout the movie, even as he tells you this crazy nonsense. And at one point talks about how it's it was his responsibility as the artist to rape the book Dune in order to make his movie. Like it'd be still charming and charismatic as he's, he's as he this is rape metaphor as he is not crazy and saying nonsense. Yeah. So Jodorowsky's Dune is a re- it's problem in many ways. I think. Might have been a more entertaining movie than if that version of Dune had gotten made. But um, I would like to recommend a movie. I, I recommended a lot of movies uh, uh, last week that uh, were Stephen Sondheim related, and I'm actually okay. going to continue this trend by recommending a movie called The Last of Sheila. Uh, oh, okay. From 1973. It's on DVD now, right? Yeah, which is the only movie uh, written by Stephen Sondheim and the only movie written by Anthony Perkins. And um, it stars such a 1970s cast. It's got Richard Benjamin, James Coburn, James Mason, Diane Cannon, Joan Hackett, Ian McShane, and Raquel Welch. Uh, Ian McShane is not... Well... Uh, I mean, the guy had a great career No, I'm, certainly, I'm just saying, like, the, the, the uh, amalgam the of the people. Oh, okay, I can see that. Uh, but this is uh, an interesting movie. It's one of these sort of, like, puzzle box... Um, drawing room kind of mysteries uh, even though it's set sort of mostly on a boat not a drawing room uh, where boats can have drawing uh, rooms. James Coburn's wife has died many years before and he uh, invites all these people to a party where he is going to play this game where it becomes clear over time that maybe he's trying to suss out who murdered his wife years before um and it's just one of these uh, sort of like very pleasurable like puzzle box films. And it's kind of interesting. I feel like there was this time in the 70s and early 80s where this kind of came back into fashion. They're making movies of this like much older type of mm-hmm. like that you had um, Sleuth. You had uh, Death Trap, which also starred Diane Cannon, who's in this movie. You had, uh, like, the Murder on the Orient Express film with Albert Finney. You had things making fun of that, like uh, Murder by Death. And it's kind of weird that, like... And Death Trap to a certain extent. Yeah. But it's kind of... I think it's kind of funny that there was, like, this really, like, trend in, during that period <laughs> towards, like, these uh, very, like, puzzle box style drawing room mysteries that was really, like, a type of entertainment that became popular <laughs> decades before. Um, but it's a... In addition to being that kind of film, it's also kind of a fun snapshot of 1970s Hollywood and a parody uh, and satire of 1970s Hollywood. And it's just uh, an enjoyable film. So I recommend The Last of Sheila. Sheila. And you don't have to go on a plane to see that one, right? No, you do not. Awesome. You probably could not. I don't know any plane that would be sure. Maybe Stephen. Maybe you can request it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Garçon, I would like to request The Last of Sheila. Uh, I'm going to recommend a little movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it small? (laughs) Kind of. It's called The Borrowers. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie called The One I Love. Microcosmos. Uh, (laughs) What was that? 
My, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to recommend the one I love. Uh, it's a movie about a uh, a couple that is struggling. They have lost some of their spark. The couple's mm-hmm. played by Mark Duplass and Elizabeth Moss. And uh, I on, smell mumblecore. And on a uh, yeah, it's a theme it's for another, me, I guess. Another trend, yeah, man. Very um, yeah, yeah. Drinking buddies last week. After uh, on a little bit of a recommendation from uh, their therapist, they they go off on a weekend alone together, and then it starts to get a little bit weird. And it's in a way, it feels a little bit like a Twilight Zone kind of made long, made movie length. And uh, I guess for some folks. Um, the like Call the twist. Sling bling. Uh, wait, what? Sling bling? What the yeah. fuck's that, dude? <laughs> sling bling. Sling yeah. bling. Is that the? Is that like the the Wayans Brothers parody of Sling Blade? <laughs> it's an offensively gay character <laughs> who like sleeps in a sling. <laughs> sling bling. Uh, so I don't know. Like it's it's kind of a little movie. I feel. Like, it's great because the performances are really impressive. Mark Duplass is great, and Elizabeth Moss is amazing. Um, and I, if if you like little, like if you like Twilight Zone style twists, I totally recommend it. All right, I feel like that was a really solid group of yeah. uh, offbeat recommendations. Yeah, yeah. a, big, a yeah. big meaty selection of recommendations to go with their dessert. God's not dead. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I'll leave you, the listener, to speculate wildly about what might come up in Small Timber next time. And if you're one of those, uh, if you're one of those poor listeners who signed on because they, I don't know, love God's Not Dead and just listen to every podcast that talks about it, this this doesn't exist. And and you've made it this far. Uh, wow, cool. You have walked to the line. <laughs> yeah, really like oh, you can, un- you can unbuckle your seatbelt now. I know it's been a wild ride. Yeah. A little bit bumpy. Don't worry. We're all going to hell. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Not me. We've talked about Marvel Comics, D&D and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't don't understand that. why you're trying to win people over. <laughs> <laughs> just listen to this. <laughs> or, or, or sum up just what listen happened. To, listen, <laughs> we all heard it. Episodes. <laughs> We've all been here. <laughs> We've been here the whole time. <laughs> That's the twist. We've been here so is recording the, the episode. Is this, is this the flophouse version of like at the end of a TV show when over the credits they show you stills from the episode you just watched? <laughs> all of us laughing and high five. <laughs> each other because if so i'm in this is the this is the end of an snl episode where i was just on stage hugging and having a great time but somebody plays the saxophone and yeah. g smith wails on the guitar mm-hmm. and people awkwardly decide whether or not they should hug the backup members of the the band yeah. <laughs> they can get very grabby all right well uh for the flop eyes i've been dan mccoy I've been Stuart Wellington. And I'll continue to be Elliot Kalen even when you stop listening. Good night, everyone. Nailed it. But not right now. We're talking about a movie? Are we going to do this podcast that we do? Probably not. It's been a while. Why would we do that? Okay. okay, and then I guess I'll go home. No, wait, but <laughs> having wasted two hours on God's Not Dead, <laughs> this was a prank on you. Uh, Roasted. We're not recording till next week. <laughs>